Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Down for the Count. I am one fourth of your co host, Tiffany E. And on behalf of Alexis, Janae, and Nicole, welcome back to the show. So, unfortunately, my voice is going in and out. I know, it sucks. And it's the podcast, you have to talk. So, I'm going to try my hardest to keep this flowing and to be as entertaining as possible because today it is time for the storyline recap leading into Royal Rumble. The road to WrestleMania begins this Saturday at 8 p.m. on January 29th and we are going to start the road to history. Who is going to go into Mania as champion and who is going to cash in their guaranteed ticket, their golden ticket to Texas. <laughs> We're going to Texas for a two-night stupendous WrestleMania. Now, let's start off with the non-Royal Rumble bouts, okay? We're going to start off with the Big Kahuna, the WWE Championship, and the pseudo-rivalry. Between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. 20 years in the making. Two of the biggest and strongest and most athletically gifted superstars of WWE's past and present are going to finally collide. Now, aside from me, a lot of fans have been clamoring for this match for years. 20 plus years to be exact. Now, will it live up to the hype? It's totally up to Bobby and Brock Lesnar. But let's start at the beginning, shall we? Now, Brock Lesnar weaseled his way into that title opportunity and basically ripped it off of Big E. And while I'm not the greatest fan of that, I'm very upset because Big E is my man, okay? Aside from my husband, that is the only man. Okay, he didn't have to do my baby like that. They didn't have to do my baby like that. Hold on. Hold on. I got to get myself together. <sighs> they messed up my baby. Okay, I'm all right. I got it together. I was breathing. <sighs> Breathe, girl. Breathe. All right. I'm back. Biggie ended up losing his title to Brock Lesnar at day one. And ever since then, Brocky has been running around Claiming to be a free agent, but the WWE Championship is his. Has his advocate in tow, and of course, made his rounds. So, of course, he made his presence known on Monday Night Raw. And he also went to SmackDown to make it very clear that he ain't forgot about Roman yet. Now, what he did do was prominently challenge Roman to a championship for championship match at Royal Rumble. To which Roman respectfully declined this led to them going back to Monday Night Raw, and a fatal four-way match was set up. The original fatal four-way that was supposed to happen at day one is what happened on Monday Night Raw. And well, when that happened, Bobby Lashley was able to pick up the pin. He beat Big E, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins to earn his ticket to Royal Rumble and possibly regain his WWE Championship and become champion for a second time. Now, of course, Brock wasn't impressed. He's rarely impressed by anything. But when these two got in the ring to have their confrontation, one would only assume that the confrontation would be well worth the wait. I mean, 20 years has got to be a long time for someone to want to wrestle and to finally have that happening and play out in front of you. I mean, you've got to have a lot to say, right? Well, if you were hoping for a very strong and passionate confrontation that was going to lead to some fun in this particular feud, you were sorely sorely disappointed. Brock Lesnar was just that Brock Lesnar. He came, he saw, he left. He came in there, insulted Bobby Lashley many times over, and he left. Bobby Lashley pretty much spoke for himself, which usually MVP does all the talking for him, which I think was a grave error on WWE's part. You have two of the best talkers in the ring with Paul Heyman and MVP. And while I love the fact that Brock Lesnar is finally talking for himself and showcasing personality, in this case, 
they could have did both. While Paul Heyman and MVP have their back and forth, they could have ended with Brock and both Bobby speaking for themselves. This didn't get volatile like I thought it would, and nobody's really attacking each other. I think at its core, it has a decent promise. But because there's not enough buildup or input in it for me, I checked out. So for me, this isn't the greatest feud. However, I'm sure that the match that they have will make up for the lack of interest in the actual feud itself. So with all that being said, who do you pick? Bobby refers to Bobby, well, Bobby refers to Brock Lesnar as a coward. And he says that he's been ducking and dodging him for years. Meanwhile, on the other side, Brock Lesnar claims that Bobby Lashley is just Brock Light. And he obviously is trying to fill shoes that he can't walk in. So, who do you choose? Do you choose the champion who has reigned and defended and tortured us for years as WWE and Universal Champion? Or do you choose that bobbleheaded milk dud that's been killing us for the last year and a half? What do you do? Two of the biggest wrestlers in the world who I honestly and genuinely don't have the greatest love for. But I respect them both as competitors and understand that they are two people who are great in the ring. I think that Brock Lesnar, given the talent that he's been going up against, really has proven that he can wrestle. He hasn't lost his touch. He was just phoning it in for the last couple of years. And as always, Bobby Lashley's never been a bad wrestler. I just can't stand either one of them. I think Bobby Lashley is boring as hell. I don't understand his appeal with everyone. I think he is cringy on the microphone. He doesn't work well with the microphone, which is why MVP is there. As far as Brock Lesnar is concerned, he works fine on the mic, um, but Paul Heyman's better. He just is. Um, And really, this past Monday proved it. Brock Lesnar and Bobby both should have been utilizing their advocates. That's what they're there for. I didn't understand. It. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that alone and I'm just going to pick. So Bobby Lashley should win this match. And I know this is going to sound really weird, but hear me out. Bobby should win this particular match. And the reason why is because. I think that the best thing to do is to give the title back to Bobby so Raw can have an official champion to lord over their show, just like Roman lords over his. Um, Brock Lesnar doesn't interact in any other way on either of the shows. And quite frankly, him being champion in any capacity doesn't really work for me. But I understand his appeal and the draw that he has. But with all of that being said, he also stifles the show tremendously. He stifles the show and he stifles potential champions possibly coming in to be champions. Somebody who's rare or off of the grid that can really come in and do some damage in terms of building themselves up as a star. He's not that guy. Um, Bobby Lashley, I wouldn't mind him being champion again if only to drop it a few months later to someone who actually deserves being champion. Now, if Brock Lesnar retains and then the winner of the Rumble chooses Brock to go up against, then I need Brock Lesnar to drop that title at Mania and then he can go off and finish fighting off with Roman if that's what he wants to do. But this match between the two of them, I'm not necessarily invested in. I think it's going to be a decent match. I don't think it's going to be horrible. But in terms of the story, there isn't really much to it. Um, WWE is working hard to build it up, but they're not rising to the potential of the story. And I think that's where the biggest issue is. Um, they're pretty much phoning it in. I think Brock Lesnar's best storyline that he's had working through this, where he wasn't necessarily um, like where 
it wasn't that the person who was going up against him was like a rag doll for Brock to play up against was Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was his greatest adversary because he didn't cower to him. He didn't fear him. Samoa Joe would attack him from behind. He made it fun to watch them. And I really, really wish they would have continued that feud and had Joe take that title off of him because it just was so palatable. It worked. It was so beautiful. I loved it. But we're going to move on. Let's move on to the second match of the night. Let's stick in the wheelhouse of the men. We have Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins, as they call him, and Roman Reigns, the current longest reigning universal champion in WWE history. 507 plus days he has been champion. And whether you love him or you hate him, Nino Brown has been a very good heel champion. You got to give him his props for rising to the occasion and becoming the number one superstar that WWE always knew he could be. But there's a massive obstacle in his way heading into WrestleMania. And as I said before, Royal Rumble marks the road to WrestleMania. And WWE has literally put a massive roadblock in his way. His former Shield brother, Seth freaking Rollins. Now, one could say that Roman could very easily bowl over Seth Rollins. But the issue here is Seth has a little bit of a edge over Roman Reigns. You see, Roman has been able to play the game with everybody else and make sure that they were in his backyard. But Seth Rollins kind of gave Roman the playbook. And he's been saying that for quite some time. So Rollins already knows where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And in every turn, he has been able to thwart everything that they have set in motion. From the Usos being barred from ringside to Roman Reigns trying to attack Seth in their first encounter. Things have been shifting in Seth Rollins' favor this entire feud. But let's start at the beginning. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns have had a very storied past. We all saw them debut back in the day when they were coming in as the Shield with the Alpha and the Beta and the whole nine. We all remember Roman coming down there with the gray eyes. You remember the contact? Huh? Huh? You remember. Stop it. You remember. You all remember Seth Rollins with this nice little broke off blonde hair streak. And their great tactical gear and John Moxley in tow. Shout out to John Moxley. We love a healthy wrestler. We love a guy whose mind is set and straight and really tackling in and doubling down on his career. We love that. Hope you keep doing well. So we remember the Shield Brethren and what they were able to do and accomplish. This faction that was created was the biggest faction of our time outside of the Bullet Club. And they were synonymous with justice and truth, at least their version of it. Seth Rollins, Roman, and John Moxley all created their own little slice of history in WWE, and they did it together. But according to Seth Rollins, they did it at his playbook. He was the one who orchestrated the Shield, and he was the one who orchestrated their entire rise throughout WWE, according to Seth freaking Rollins, the former architect, as he used to refer to himself, made sure that they were positioned to be at the top of the company, no matter what. It wasn't until the betrayal that we all got to see Seth Rollins' real, true colors. Seth Rollins didn't want the shield to succeed. He wanted to succeed on his own, but he knew he needed help to get there. So he positioned himself at the forefront of the shield to ensure that he had the protection he needed to get to where he wanted to go. And when he got there, he made a deal with the devil and turned his back on his brothers. That caused a severe fraction in the shield. It had destroyed it from the inside out. Each one of the SHIELD members are highly decorated in the WWE and on so many levels, each one of them have contributed to society in terms of the IWC. And while all of that is all well and good, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns only crossed paths, I think, once or twice. And in both of those bouts, Roman was bested by Seth Rollins. 
So now we lead to here. Seth Rollins was living his best life on Monday Night Raw, and Roman was out of opponents. So who do you call? What do you do? Who is the guy who's going to give Roman Reigns the biggest run for his money, but also give us the marquee match that we've all been looking for? And you got to go with Seth freaking Rollins, right? I mean, there was nobody else. So, one Friday night on SmackDown, as Roman was living his best life atop his wonderful island, he got a knock at the door. And the knock sounded really familiar. And he just said, come in. And here comes the new and improved Seth freaking Rollins, the visionary, walking in with his brand new fur, white and black coat, just cackling, not laughing, but cackling. And this was the beginning of Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Well, within the last couple of weeks, we've learned some things. Seth freaking Rollins is no longer the tactful, evil little gummy worm that he was when he first got there. He's a bit more refined, a little bit more finesse. He's got a little bit more tact. He's going to hit you head on with the truth. We also learned that Roman Reigns ain't about living in the past and he's at the top of his game. He's the number one guy and there ain't nobody in the WWE who's going to take him off of that pedestal. Not even Seth freaking Rollins. So who do you choose? What do you do? You start to dismantle the champion from inside his little protection bubble. Seth Rollins did what he always does. He used his mental prowess to destroy the champion from the inside out. At least that's what he thinks he did. Seth Rollins went and he started mentally. Can you do this on your own? We all know you've been champion for 500 plus days, but I distinctly remember that at every championship bout, you've had help or some unfortunate circumstance has occurred and you remain champion. But can you do this by yourself? I've been able to do my championship battles by myself. And while Seth might be right, he also is a little wrong. Because Seth Rollins had a lot of help on his championship journey as well. J&J security is a big, um, they're a big piece of that. Just thought I would let you know that, Seth. But, um, continue. You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. Any hoosies. (laughs) Seth Rollins kept doubling down on the fact that he did not think Roman Reigns could win a championship on his own. And while he's had a couple matches where he could, when it came, when it counted, when it really came down to the big matches, Edge, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, the list goes on. Seth is right. Roman hasn't won on his own in any way, shape, or form. The Usos have always had his back. And when he made that question, that kind of pissed off the tribal chief. And then his cousins came in, as they always did, to protect him because he didn't want to get hurt. And well, Seth awarded that, embarrassed the bloodline, and pretty much made it to the top of the key. That following week, he came out there after he confronted Roman again, and this time he had some help. He brought KO, Roman's very first formidable opponent, someone who kind of helped Roman piggyback off of what was going on between him and Jimmy. I believe it was Jimmy. Or was it Jay? Was it Jay? I'm sorry. They're twins, okay? They're identical twins. They look alike. All right, I'm sorry. I think it was Jay Uso. All right, I'm going to stick with Jay Uso. He had a great feud with Jay Uso. That was what built the foundation of what Nino Brown became in terms of Nino Brown and the CMB, a.k.a. the Tribal Chief and the Bloodline. But it was Kevin Owens. It was Kevin Owens who gave him that first building block on that foundation of Island Sand. It was KO who helped build him up piece by piece. And really prove where Roman was going to go in terms of keeping his title. So Kevin came back. And Seth had a little bit of backup. And well, it was a tag team match. Seth freaking Rollins and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. 
And the way that this worked out was there was two stipulations. One stipulation was for the Usos and one was for Seth freaking Rollins and co. If the Usos won, then Seth Rollins would thwart his chances at going up against Roman at Royal Rumble. This would mean that Roman could wait out Rumble and literally go on vacation again and not wrestle until WrestleMania. If Seth Rollins and co. pick up the win, then the Usos would be barred from ringside and it would just be Seth freaking Rollins and Roman Reigns. No outside help, no nothing. It'd be just you and uh, me. Mano y mano. Okay? And well, the Usos were going to lose, okay? One of them ate a curb stomp and it was about to be a pit. But Roman decided to get them disqualified, whereas they lost technically. They won technically, but actually lost because he hit Seth Rollins in the face and he didn't want him to get a clean pin. They still lost because he attacked Seth. So Seth ended up picking the win, which banned the Usos from being at ringside in this match. So now it is just Roman versus Seth freaking Rollins. Who do you choose? Do you choose the tribal chief? The guy who's been putting out banger after banger after banger, according to the IWC. The most sought after champion in WWE. The biggest name in the company next to Becky Lynch. Is that who you go with? The most consistent. The numero uno. The big kahuna. Huh? The tribal chief Nino Brown and the CMB have been dominating this company for 500 plus days. And while that looks really nice on paper and it's beautiful at the sunset, there's a storm on the horizon. And his name is Seth freaking Rollins. And the reality is Seth has a history of ending people's fun. And while we all want Roman to succeed and be great, we all know that Seth Rollins has a hunger to always be at the top of the mountain. Even when he's in the middle, even when he's inching his way back up, he's always hungry, always thirsty for that title, always looking at it, always ready. So while I think that Roman probably will retain at Royal Rumble, he's going to have a hard fight to keep it. Seth Rollins isn't a slouch. He never has been. And even with his slimy little snake-like ways of operating, he still is a formidable opponent in that ring and on the microphone. So if I had to choose and I was predicting who would win this match, I'm going to give the win to Roman. I think this feud isn't over. And I think they're going to continue to pull this out all the way past Elimination Chamber and possibly move into Mania. Now, here's how I think this could play out. Roman could very well beat Seth Rollins clean, fair and square. Or he could beat Seth Rollins because Kevin Owens comes in and costs him the opportunity. You see, KO has never been a good friend. He has always had a hidden agenda for what he wants to do. And he, he feels like you are in his way of something that he wants or you're getting something that he wanted and he couldn't get because there were hella obstacles in his way and you've got a clear path to get there. Oh, he's going to destroy it so that you can't have it. And he doesn't care what he has to do to do it. So if I were WWE and I were writing the story, I'd have Kevin come out and act like he's going to help Seth. But really, he's going to call Seth Rollins that match and create more chaos and confusion and just make this a whole big old ball of mess that the WWE can sort out. That's how I do it. But the way I think they're going to do it is Roman is going to win in some weird ass way. And then they're going to move into Elimination Chamber in Saudi or Jeddah, as they put it. But that's the WWE Championship Well, the WWE Universal Championship. We're going to move on to the next one. So now it's time to have the conversation about the next storyline. And this one is fairly simple and easy. This one involves Piper Nevins, a.k.a. Dewdrop, and our big time Bex, Becky Lynch. 
Now, we all know that Becky Lynch always likes to run down her accolades so people don't forget how great she is. However, she omits some things in between. She is what she says she is. She is big time Bex. She's the girl. She's the one that everybody's paying to see. At least that's what she believes. Becky Lynch is a crafty little bastard. And I mean that in the most kindest of ways. She always finds a way to weasel out of going up against the best the WWE has to offer. At least she thinks. Or she'll find a way to cheat in the middle of a match. No matter how good or how bad it is, she's going to cheat her way out of it. Simply because she feels as though, because I am the greatest and I'm going to find any way to win, that makes me the champion. That makes me championship material because I will do whatever it takes to keep the championship. You, on the other hand, Liv and Bianca and whoever else wants to challenge her, you aren't ready. You aren't up to par. You aren't on my level, as she puts it. So, let's start at the beginning. Becky Lynch had gone through two of the women on the roster that WWE deemed to be worthy for the championship, or at least a championship bout. Now, before Becky got to Raw, Becky had been battling with Bianca back and forth for quite some time. And as they were both moved to Raw, titles switched, Becky gets the Raw championship, and Charlotte Flair gets the SmackDown Women's Championship, we continued that feud and doubled down on it. Becky Lynch ended up coming to Raw as champion after her bout with Bianca and Sasha Banks at um, the Crown Jewel show. And she ended up trying to get new foes, new competitors. Who's it going to be? So a fatal five-way was put in place back in November. And it was Rhea Ripley, Zelina Vega, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Carmella. All former champions in their own right, with the exception of Vega and Liv Morgan. Five of these women were offered an opportunity to go up against Becky Lynch, to which she sat ringside and watched. And Bianca was taken out by a piper because she was jealous of the fact that Bianca was in the match and she wasn't. Given the fact that Bianca had just competed for the title not too long ago, Piper was livid, and she felt like she should have been the one going up against her. So she cost Bianca her opportunity, which led Liv to open the door and walk right through as the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. And so the feud began. It had highs, it had lows, it had ups and it downs, but ultimately Liv Morgan lost every shot she got, whether it was at Monday Night Raw or whether it was at day one. Liv Morgan could not best Becky Lynch. And she cheated at every chance she got. No cap. (laughs) But this took Liv Morgan out of the race to be champion. Now, here's where things get a little sticky. Bianca Belair had been out of title contingency for quite some time, dealing with Piper Nevin's fucking temper tantrums. That bitch cried and complained every single chance she got, and it was solely focused at Bianca. It wasn't focused at anyone else. It was only targeted at Bianca, which I don't understand because Liv Morgan got the shot. She beat everybody. You were mad because you weren't in the match. You could have just took out Carmella, okay? Nobody wants to see fucking Carmella be champion anyway, or you could have took out Vega, why you ain't going after one of them bitches? You could have took them out, got your opportunity to be in the Fatal Five way, and then you possibly could have won, bitch. Girl. But I digress. Okay? Piper complained. She felt like Bianca didn't deserve the opportunity because she had already lost. She attacked Bianca and they had a feud. This feud led to Bianca beating Piper two times, I believe. One of them, she got disqualified, I think, in... Did she walk away from the match? I think it was three times that Bianca beat her. Once, well, no, because they never wrestled in that match. Piper just beat her up. So Piper lost via disqualification to Bianca once. She won via a pin once to Bianca. Bianca won by a pin once. And then Piper attacked Bianca before they could even have the match. Um, And she attacked her after, I believe. But either way, Piper made it her mission to make Bianca's life a living fucking hell. 
With all that being said, this led to Bianca, Bianca beating Piper and moving forward. This led to a championship contender match after day one for Becky Lynch's championship. Two of her former foes had very real arguments. Becky keeps cheating. Every time she goes up against one of us, she uses the ropes to hold herself up. The rest don't see it and she wins. And this isn't just a one or twice occurrence. This has happened every time in every bout against Bianca from extreme rules to crown jewel everywhere. She is using the ropes to hold herself up. She even did it at Survivor Series against Charlotte. I mean, she does it all the fucking time. Liv Morgan experienced the same thing. Roll up on the edge of the ropes. She's using the ropes. Match over. Same thing at day one. Roll up on the edge of the ropes. She's using the ropes. Match is over. It never changes. Her MO is the same. Well, the powers, the powers that be decided to give Bianca and Liv another opportunity. This led to whiny ass Dewdrop coming into the damn office again bitching and moaning because she felt like she deserved the opportunity. Now, had she had beat Bianca some weeks ago, I would feel like she has a legitimate argument. You beat a former champion. Of course you deserve an opportunity, but you didn't beat her, sis. You got your ass whipped and then you got KOD'd for your troubles. So you don't deserve anything. You haven't earned shit. But she bitched and she moaned and complained enough and she was added to this match. So it was Piper versus Liv versus Bianca for the number one contendership for Becky Lynch's title at Royal Rumble. And well, Piper ended up winning because good old Becky interfered in the match, taking Bianca out, keeping her from being a part of the match and incapacitating her. This left Piper and Liv in the match alone, to which Liv tried to hold her own. But ultimately, she was not able to overpower Piper. Piper was able to get the win and she became the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch thought she can go in there and best the woman, pretend like she was shaking her hand, and then she tried to um, rock bottom her, which, <laughs> bitch, <laughs> the best thing I can say, because I will never talk about another plus size woman's weight, is it was out of her weight class. She knew better. She should have known better. Her little bony ass was not going to be able to do nothing with Piper. I don't give a fuck how much weight she lives. She don't got the tools. She don't have the muscle, okay? Your little crossfire ass got to go sit down somewhere. Just because you hot in the ass do not mean that you got all the strength in the world. That's not how this works, hunty, okay? So Miss Mamas was, you know, taking a little bit of back because Piper... Didn't get, you know, she didn't get swayed by by Becky's prowess or the fact that Becky was trying to get the drop on her. She didn't get swayed by that, you know. This led to the following week. Uh, tag team match. It was Becky and Do versus Bianca and Liv. Now, Bianca and Liv were on the same team. They were wrestling. They was having a good old time. Now, this match was okay at first. Everything was going smoothly until Becky got the pin, get ready to pin Liv after she hit her with the manhandle slam. This got Piper, who tagged herself in before she hit her with the manhandle slam. And then this bitch took out Becky, laid her ass out, and then pinned Liv and got the win for the team. But she made it very clear. We ain't on no teams, bitch. I won this match, and then I'm going to beat your ass at Royal Rumble. Okay, and Becky was laid out prostrate before the Lord and could not say or do nothing but roll her bitch ass out the damn ring. So now Piper's made it very clear. If you thought that taking out Bianca from this match was going to give you an easy ride at Royal Rumble, you are sorely mistaken, Crotchfire. She said, I am going to take that championship off of you. And when I do, it's going to be a glorious day because Big Tom's Bex is going to be dethroned and Dewdrop is going to be at the top of the mountain. And Becky was like, oh, no, honey, okay? First of all, you're not ready to be in my shoes. Second, I am the champion. And you are just going to have to fall in line like the rest of the losers. So now the question is, who do you choose?
Because recently, the girls had a little sit-down interview on TV, and they made it very clear that they ain't with the shits. Dewdrop said, bitch, your days are numbered. And Becky said, bitch, your days are over. Okay, I'm the champion. You will not replace me, ho. Okay? And Piper said, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. Piper took them damn headphones off, took that damn mic off, and found that glitter glide. <laughs> found that disco ball looking bitch. And rammed her ass up against them roadie cars. She was not playing. Sis said, bitch, you're not finna talk about me behind the camera and safely and act like you ain't finna get your ass whooped. That ain't how this shit works, okay? No, ma'am. So the question still remains, who do you choose? Now, we had this conversation on my live this past Monday. And the reality of the situation is, it does not logically make sense to put the title onto Piper. Now, while this is all well and good, this can be great. You can make this into a situation where Piper only has the title up until after, you know, Elimination Chamber. And then she loses it on a Monday Night Raw right before Mania. To me, that makes no sense. Don't do that. You want to build your mania, especially with it being one of the biggest ones where you can be at full capacity now with your stadium because of the last medium, you couldn't do that. You don't want to mess this up. You want to make this the one of the biggest matches that you can. And I'm sorry, but Piper just isn't that bookable yet. And it's no shade to Piper because she can get there. Of course, if you can build up live, which is no shade to live, but listen, if you can build up live to be a formidable opponent against um, Becky and have her on the bill for a major pay-per-view, then you can do that for Piper. But she is not built up enough. She doesn't have that many wins under her belt. Not wins that are solidified that make any sense. Not wins that are of her own. Because Piper was with Eva at first and her wins got credited to her from what they were saying. So it's really odd that they would have her be the one. If this plays out the way I think that it does, I would not have Piper be the one to best Becky Lynch. Especially when you have somebody like Bianca and even Liv Morgan that already went up against her. And then Bianca will never be able to get the comeuppance that she so desperately deserves because of the way WWE went about her dropping the title at SummerSlam. With all that being said, my pick for for Royal Rumble And to kick off Royal Rumble's road to WrestleMania, it's going to be Becky Lynch. Piper's going to lose, and she's going to fall to the back of the line, and Becky's going to continue on as big-time Bex. I see no other reason to do this another way. Now, when we were on live and they were talking about it, Ronda Rousey's name came up because she's being rumored to be back in the Rumble. And while that's all well and good and everything is great, I don't want Ronda to win the Rumble either. And I know that sounds really bad, but I'll get to the Rumble in a sec. We're going to move on to the next non-Rumble bout. And I think that one is Ms. and Maurice versus <sighs> Edge and Beth Phoenix. And now we start with Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Ms. and Maurice. The Grit Couple versus the It Couple. It all started a few months back when Edge came out and made a very compelling conversation with The Miz about his tenure in WWE. And of course, he talked about how good Miz is and how well he's been able to do for himself, but he lacks some things. And he ran it down. The Miz, of course, ever the jealous and always ready to outdo everyone, made it very clear that he didn't give a damn what Edge thought, that he didn't need his compliments or his accolades because he knew that he was already a superstar. He's an A-lister. He's a movie star, TV star, former WWE champion, two-time WWE champion, former intercontinental champion, former U.S. champion, former tag team champion. The Miz has done it all. Okay, he doesn't need any advice from (laughs) freaking Edge. Come on. So there was a whole back and forth between the two. And it led to a match between Edge and The Miz. And while they had this match, Maurice was always in tow. Now, while this 
feud was going on, she was an intricate part. The first time, the Miz used her as a means of a shield, which is what he always does. And Maurice feigned, oh, I can't believe you would do that. I'm a mom of two now. Edge then had his cutting edge show, to which Maurice was a guest. And she was on TV like, Mike is a fool. He's an evil bastard. He never lets me speak. I don't have any way of being his wife. I'm not his equal. He doesn't love me. Oh. And of course, Edge saw right through his bullshit. Her bullshit. He plainly told her, I would never do what the Miz does because I actually respect my wife. And of course, Miz attacks him from behind. Now, if you notice in this little part of the feud, and many parts of the feud, Maurice has a bag. And one would have to ask, what the fuck do you need with the purse? Why do you need a bag? You're coming to the ring, darling. You don't need a bag for anything. If anything, your shit should be on your bus, okay? You have a nanny that's watching your kids, right? Why do you have a bag? Huh? Why are you bringing that bag out there? But that bag became an intricate part of Maurice and Mrs. Glorious plan. I'm going to tell you what I think about this feud in a minute, but let me just get this shit out, okay? The Miz and, of course, Edge get into a scuffle. He's trying so hard to get Edge to get into this mic check. And he doesn't do it. He can't get him down. And Maurice hits him in the back of his head with her bag. And then he's able to get it and execute it properly. And, well, they had their match, of course. I believe it was at day one. They had their match. And... Maurice interferes again, hitting her edge over the back of the head with her bag that she keeps bringing to the ring. Now, all this is going on, and Beth Phoenix is over in NXT, quietly retiring from commentary. She's sitting at home, you know, waiting and biding her time, and all of a sudden, while Miz and Maurice are celebrating their win, here comes Beth Phoenix with her murder hard hairstyle and her all leather material, okay? The guys and the girls were shooketh that Beth Phoenix, the Glamazon, was here and she was ready for a fight. She was tired of Maurice putting her hands on her man. She was like, you don't see me touching your little puny ass piranha looking man. You don't see me touching him. So don't put your hands on my hands, bitch, okay? She quietly scared Maurice back into her little hole. And then the back and forth started. We had, of course, a fake wedding that they had to which they did these really corny, cheesy, cringy vows. To which they ended up covering in brood blood from Edge, which is kind of awesome. Like the first time he did it was with Seth Rollins and you got to love that. That ultimately ended up getting them nowhere, but it also ended up allowing Edge to get the edge over Miz, to which that led to the match at day one, and, you know, that's how it played out. Beth Phoenix showed up, and then it became a back and forth, a tale of the wits. So, essentially, Maurice and Miz were not on the same page, so they liked us to believe, with this matchup. Maurice didn't want to wrestle Beth Phoenix, and Beth Phoenix did. She wanted to wrestle them in a mixed tag team match. They set it up, and Miz accepted without consoling Maurice, to which she was deathly terrified. That next week, they had another confrontation going back and forth, and Beth Phoenix made it her mission to tell Maurice what she was going to do to the woman in the match. And Maurice was obviously not feeling this shit. Miz was like, we going all in. Tell her what you're going to do to her. And Maurice ass turned around and walked away. She was like, I ain't going to do nothing, bitch, but walk away on these Louboutins you bought me. And I'm going to get my ass up out of here. That's what the fuck I'm finna do. <laughs> Meanwhile, we all was like, damn, Maurice, you ain't have to leave him hanging. Now, of course, there was an announcement that the next week, Maurice was going to confront Beth Phoenix, which I was like, bitch, you just walked away from her. To which I was like, mm, I smell a rat. I smell a rat. 
And it's a dirty ass rat. You know, the one that's been living in the sewers for the last seven years. Mm -mm. Living off of old pizza crusts and like dirty shoes and doo-doo. You know what I'm saying? One of them kind of rats. So Reese came out there and made her desperate plea. I don't want to wrestle you. We're both girls. We're both girls. Okay, we should be, you know, on the same side. We should be having our advocate for each other. We shouldn't we should fight each other. And she had this bag in her hand. And Beth Phoenix was like, fuck that. I don't care what you're talking about. I'm going to come in that ring and show you what we're about to get down to do. She gets up. She goes in the ring. She's talking to her. And Maurice is slowly backing away. Meanwhile, here comes the Miz attacking Edge from the side. And they get into a scuffle. Beth turns her back on Maurice. And Maurice hits her in the back with her bag. This causes Beth to fall out. Maurice runs out of the ring. And Miz and Maurice both leave. And all we see at the top of the key is it revealed that she had a brick in her bag. She busted Beth Phoenix over the back with a brick. Well, that was some hood booger shit right there. <laughs> but of course, you know, some of the fans love that. Oh my God, it is so diva-ish. I love that. <laughs> so this past Monday, there was a surprise announcement. Guess what? It was Maurice's birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and there was this big old pink to do for her birthday in the ring. And there was this big ass gold box. And of course, it was very obscure. And we're all like, this whole place is painted in pink. And then boom, gold box. I'm like, child, if Beth Venus don't come out that damn box. But we got fooled. Tricked, hoodwinked, swindled, okay? It was a frame for that damn brick that she used on Beth Phoenix's back. They had some security, air quotes, around the ring to protect them so, so Maurice could celebrate her birthday without being interrupted. Miz decided to lead in song a happy birthday, which he did terrible. He was horrible, okay? He sang the song, and then here come the Grit Couple. Edge and Beth Phoenix were not in a very happy mood, and they were dressed to fight. Both of them in custom ones and wonderful pants, and Edge with no shirt on and just a nice little vest, had his hair down, and Beth Phoenix took off her jacket and had her cut-off sleeve shirt on. Oh, the Grit Couple was ready to go at it. So... Edge made his little speech, basically saying, Miz, you done stepped in it. <laughs> We're coming to get your ass. You done stepped in it, bro. And then it was a full-on brawl. But it wasn't with Miz and Maurice. The brawl was with the security guards. Beth Phoenix was whooping their ass, okay? It was basically Beth Phoenix and Edge versus the full security team. And motherfuckers was getting their asses whooped, okay? We saw spears. We saw motherfucking slams. We saw goddamn everything you can think of. From goddamn spears to widow's peaks to motherfucking goddamn DDTs, nigga. We saw it all, okay? And the grit couple was not smiling. They was not happy. And them two scary little weasels weaseled their way to the back and was running. And that was the end of the feud. We get Miz and Maurice versus the Grit Couple, Beth Phoenix and Edge. Who do you think is going to will out? Is it going to be the ever conniving and so predictable Miz and Maurice? Mary Maurice is a terrible actress. I'm sorry, she's horrible. Even if she's playing up that she's a horrible actress, like, come on, you got to sell it, bitch. Like, you're... You're too good at what you do to not sell it properly. And it just seems like you are not trying. And I'm like, you're phoning shit in because you don't want to do it. And if that's the case, then bitch, don't fucking do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth watching. Furthermore, your tactics are dated and played out. And we all know how you operate. You guys use your love like it's some goddamn shield. And it's so annoying. It's sickening. It's nauseating. 
I barf every time I think about it. It's disgusting, okay? While I love Edge, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. I love him to death. And Beth Phoenix set the tone for what girls could be in the WWE. This is beneath them. I just don't like it. And while I'm okay with Edge, you know, having a side feud with Miz, I just feel like there had to be more substance to it in order for it to work. And there wasn't much to it. And because a lot of the tricks and shit that Miz was using was just basically, you know, old tactics that he's used so many times. We've all seen it play out before. It was like they didn't even care, you know? And I just didn't care for it. Um, who do I think is going to win? I'm going to give the win to Maurice and Miz. Like, I just don't think that Beth Phoenix and Edge are going to beat them. Not because they can't, because we all know that physically they can. But just simply because I feel like they're going to do something to cheat and they're going to win. And they're going to continue this feud out for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm just, you know, thinking of ways. But anyways, I'm not really invested as much in it as I was in the beginning. So whether win, lose, or draw, I truly don't care. I just want the feud to be over. So let's move on to the next bout. And finally, the Royal Rumble. We come to the... The why we are all here moment. We come to the why do we sit for four hours and watch this show. The Royal Rumble, ladies and gents. It is the road to WrestleMania. It gives the one person for the women and the one person for the men that free ticket to WrestleMania. It solidifies your slot in history. So who's going to win? Well, at this juncture, for right now, there are 22 men who are currently in the Royal Rumble. And there are 21 women who are currently in the Women's Royal Rumble. So, there are several slots still available. Eight and I'd say nine for both Rumbles. Eight for the men, nine for the women. Open slots that anyone could enter into and become a champion outside of the people who have already been announced. Now, I know that some of you who listen to our podcast and who listen to me on my page alone don't like the fact that WWE pretty much announces and that the superstars themselves declare themselves for the Rumble. But let's just give you guys a little bit of a history lesson. Most of the time, most of the time, back in the day, that was normal. That was normal fare. Normal spiel. There was enough people in the WWE during that time that they could just pretty much pick from the litter. But you pretty much knew who was going to be in it. If it wasn't going to be, you know, Triple H was always going to be in it if he wasn't injured. John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, John Bradshaw Layfield, Booker T. The list goes on, okay? So many people that were in WWE back in the Dizzy. Didn't always declare for the Rumble. Didn't always announce that they were going to be in it. But you knew they were going to fucking be in it, okay? You were well aware of this. This is not a fucking spoiler. You know this. Furthermore, WWE is down to the bare bones, okay? Like, chill the fuck out with the complaining and the bitching. And just watch the goddamn show, alright? I'm sick of this shit. I'm tired of it. You guys complain and you complain. And you know what? You complain yourselves into the ground. And you do it all the time. And then you blame WWE for it. But bitch, it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah, that's right. I am blaming you. Okay? What did you all say? I want to see new people. I don't want to see the same people all the time. I'm sick of it. What do they do? NXT. Brand new people. Are you watching it? No. They changed it. I don't want to watch Nickelodeon. Hating ass bitches. But your ass was sitting up here complaining for a whole fucking year. Because they didn't give you nothing new. They changed the whole fucking show. Everything about the show is new. All the way down to the goddamn commentary. They changed it. And it's still not good enough for you. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like they, The black and gold brand is dead. It's dead. Buried. Deceased. Gone. Never coming back. Get the fuck over it, okay? When Ruthless Aggression died, nobody complained. When fucking Attitude Era was dead, nobody cared. 
relax. Eras come and go, bitch. It's a part of life. Sorry. Sorry. I had to get that out. Okay? Because I'm sick of y'all. I'm sick of y'all. Y'all be pissing me off. Okay? You get on my goddamn nerves. My goddamn nerves. <laughs> I must calm down. Anyway. The Royal Rumble is set to solidify some really good opportunities for two people. One female and one male. And who is that going to be? 30 men are set to enter the Royal Rumble. And 22 of them we know. And 21 women are set to enter the Royal Rumble. And 9 of them we don't know. So, who do you choose? My top 3 contenders for the Men's Royal Rumble go like this. Kevin Owens is my number one pick. I feel like Kevin Owens is going to win this Rumble. If he doesn't win the Rumble, oh, it is going to be some shit. Like, it's going to be somebody fucking weird who wins. And because this year's Royal Rumble is so spaced out, you don't have no idea of who could win this shit. Like, any rando could win. And you're going to be sitting here like, bitch, how they going to make this shit work? Like, it's going to be a very interesting time, okay? However, I pick Kevin Owens, of course. He's my guy. I love me some Kevin Owens, honey, okay? But if I was going to pick two more people, I would give the W to Seamus. And, of course, I got to put my baby Big E in there. I can't leave Big E out. Okay, that's my baby. That's my baby right there. Y'all gonna make me cry and start all over again. Oh, no. Let me get myself together. Who? They fucked over my baby. They did. Who's that, bitch? Who's that? Anyway. Those are my top three. My dark horse for this would be Damian Priest. And that's because my girl, Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. Another member of the podcast. Pretty much has been predicting that Damian Priest was going to win this goddamn Royal Rumble since he got after, you know, since after he had the thing with Bad Bunny and he was doing really good and he was champion and he was doing amazing as champion. Nicole has been riding for Damian Priest for quite some time, honey. Bert, I don't think Damian's going to win. I'm going to give that dark horse to her. Because I think that if anybody else wins, outside of the nine people that they had, it more than likely will be Damien. But I'm going to stick with my first pick. Kevin Owens is my pick, and that's who I think is going to win the Royal Rumble. Let's move on to the women ladies. Because there's some historical things going on with the girls. Not too much for the men's. But for the girls? Oh, the girls is doing it, honey. Now with the girls, you got... The SmackDown Women's Champion entering into the Rumble for the first time ever as champion. And if this bitch wins, she gets to choose her opponent for WrestleMania. Now, as much as I love me some Charlotte, because a lot of people like to hate on Charlotte, but I fucking love Charlotte, okay? Charlotte is that girl. Now, she coming there and she be talking her shit, but that bitch back that shit up every fucking time okay and that's one thing you cannot shit on and one thing i love about a heel who talk a lot of shit but keep that shit rolling and can back it up all day long okay is some confidence and some arrogance because i be tearing your ass up on my commentary but bitch i be like you better serve these hoes okay you better let them know who you is And Charlotte does just that, okay? Now, unfortunately, our resident boss, Shasha Banks, will not be able to participate due to her injury. She will not be healed in time to come back while the Rumble is in play. So, Sasha can't be in the Rumble this year, which I'm kind of disappointed because I actually like watching Sasha wrestle in the Rumble, and I enjoy Sasha's wrestling a lot. She's one of my favorites as well. So I like her and I I wish that she could continue to wrestle. But if she's injured, I prefer she go and get herself together, take some time off, heal, and then come back stronger than ever. 
With all that being said, there's another historic piece in this particular match besides Little Miss Charlotte. Now, WWE blew the roof off the IWC when they announced that Miss Mickey James, the current reigning and defending knockouts women's champion, will be in the Women's Royal Rumble. And they announced her as the current knockouts champion. And that in itself is an amazing feat. That means that WWE is recognizing another world championship as in their company currently. That says a lot, okay? Now, of all of these women, there are also former WWE divas and current WWE female superstars wrestling in this match. And there are nine open slots for the women's battle for the women's Royal Rumble. So now the question is, who do you think is going to win based off of who they've announced and based off of the women that are making the history? I'm going to say, I'm going to give my pick over to Naomi because she's my girl. I love me some Naomi Henny. I'm going to pick Naomi, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair as my top three. Because I feel like they're going to shake this shit up, have Charlotte win again, and let her pick her opponent at WrestleMania. Which I absolutely detest. But WWE has been known to do some stupid shit like that. But if they don't, my dark horse, and again, shout out to Nicole because she picked her as a dark horse. And I was like, you know what? That ain't half bad. Mickey James wins the Royal Rumble and goes on to WrestleMania as the current knockout women's champion and possibly become the WWE women's champion in the process for either brand. Because she could choose to go up against Becca if she keeps the title or up against Sharshar if she keeps the title. So it's a lot going on there. But those are my three top picks and my dark horse pick for the women's Royal Rumble. Okay, quick editor's note. So I finally got the girls to give me their predictions for the Royal Rumble. Now, Janae's under the weather. She's been sick for a couple of days, so we're giving her the day off. We hope you get better, Janae. Now, my two girls, Nicole and Alexis, oh, they've given their predictions, and they are wild. So let's go I'll start off with Alexis. Alexis said, and I quote, I think there's some bullshit win in the men's. She is not happy. And someone returning for the women. Bobby will win. And Seth will lose via DQ. And Miz and Maurice will win because of some stupid crap they pull. Now that's Alexis's predictions. And y'all know that's her voice. Y'all know that's how that woman talk, okay? I personally agree with the Miz and Maurice situation. But y'all have heard my predictions. Let's go over to Nicole. So Nicole is more focused on the Royal Rumble itself. And she believes that there's going to be some fun things happening in the Rumble. Now... She's always had Damian Priest back from day one. And she still believes that he could possibly win. But she has a dark horse. And her dark horse could change the course of history for the next couple of years. She thinks that Sami Zayn could possibly win the Royal Rumble. As crazy as it sounds, it would be so much fun to finally see Sami get some comeuppance. I love Sami Zayn. I think he's funny. He has a great personality. And he does such good work with his character in the mid-card division. So Sami winning the Rumble and finally getting to the top of that mountain really, really works for him. I'm very curious how this plays out. Now, as far as the women, she didn't really have a singular prediction, at least to the best of my knowledge. But she did hear of Mickey James talking about doing title versus title if she wins the Royal Rumble. And her thing was, if Mickey James wins the Royal Rumble, that would blow the door off of the Forbidden Door. And it would create absolute chaos in the IWC. A good chaos. Because you would have Mickey James, one of the greatest women's champions of all time, going up against probably Charlotte Flair. <laughs> and she would have to work Impact shows and WWE shows that would bolster Impact entirely. It would bring, do you understand the eyes that it would bring to Impact and what's going on over there? Now, while I'm not too happy with them having Mushmouth Moose as the 
face of the company in terms of the champion. That's their pick. I don't watch the show enough to care. I am glad that Impact, if this happens, I am glad that Impact is getting some eyes on the company because while we love wrestling, period, um, I've always been a fan of the really cool storylines that they come up with to make the championship bouts between the two foes fun to watch. Impact has always been good at doing that, coming up with unique and fun and cool and funny ways to make you interested in people's stories and in their battles. WWE strayed away from that for the last couple of years and have tried to go with this whole competition athleticism gag. And while yes, it works in some occasions, you really need the aspect of a story. You need writers, you need someone who's fun and has can step outside that box. So Impact has that. And I'm kind of glad that if this happens, there'll be massive eyes on Impact and that could bolster them and maybe, just maybe, they can get to a better company and um, better TV company and possibly they could end up on a different channel and get more people watching their show. So with all that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the last moments of the prediction show. I had to get the ladies' predictions in there because they weren't allowed to be on the show this week due to their own, due to what was going on in their own lives. So with that being said, here's the outro. With all that being said, I expect the Royal Rumble to be a grando time. I really do. I expect to be screaming at the television, losing my voice, and coming in here to give you guys a full play-by-play of the show itself. With all my wonderful glory and commentary skills, I will give you the greatest play-by-play of the Royal Rumble that I can from memory. Because sometimes I forget a lot. I gotta start drinking, you know, a little bit more ginseng, get my ginkgo in, you know, help myself with my memory because it's really bad. If you have any suggestions about my memory, you know, send it, send it to the DM. You know, hit us up on Twitter because my memory is just shoddy. It's just terrible. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed my commentary on the latest storylines for WWE and moving into Royal Rumble, what they're going to do with them and who's going to win at the Rumble in terms of championships, feuds, and of course, the Royal Rumble itself. It is like the kid in a chocolate factory scenario everybody is out for themselves and they don't give a damn about anything all they care about is getting that damn championship getting that ticket punching their way to the main event anything else is irrelevant and outside of their scope tag teams are being pitted against each other they're fighting they're bashing and it's getting ugly The Royal Rumble is Saturday, and I hope you guys are ready for a good time. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.